amazing opportunity to talk to Stevie and Al of St. Phoenix over Zoom video. Stevie and Al are both brothers. Stevie's the older brother. They both talked to us about growing up in Glasgow and how they got into music. Stevie was originally a drummer in a band, uh, but moved on to guitar. When he moved on to guitar, his younger brother, Al, picked up the drums and, and started playing drums. They tell us a ton of hilarious stories, how they were able to secure management with Mark Reynolds, who is Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons' brother. He manages them, and he's in the same family that manages the Killers. And the email correspondence that went on between Al and the manager to sign St. Phoenix and uh, start working with them. They talked to us about the success of the song King, these amazing tours they've been on most recently with Youngblood, their amazing relationship with their father and how their father was actually able to go on tour with them with Youngblood. Youngblood ended up building this beautiful relationship with their father, even bringing him out on stage during tour. But prior to the Youngblood tour, they found out a couple of years prior that their dad was becoming very ill. So it was a huge experience being able to take him out on the road with them. Things started to really regress with their father's health um, around Christmas time. And that's when they started writing the most recent song called Happy Place. So they tell us the story about building a home for their dad. That's what he always wanted to do, leave a legacy and build this home. They built a studio in there and they spent a bunch of time working on this brand new record. And they were able to play it for their father as he was passing away, which is a very powerful story. So do check out that song, Happy Place. And check out the video version of our interview with St. Phoenix on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with St. Phoenix. This is all about you and your journey in music. And of course, we'll talk about the brand new song you guys just released. Yeah. Yeah. Happy place out today. Download now. Stream. Yeah. Came out what? Like on Friday? Friday. Friday. Yeah. 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 So just before we go ahead, I'm Al. This is Stevie. Hi, Al. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you both. Appreciate it. Brothers, obviously. Um, well, so tell me about where were you born and raised? We are, are born, um, so obviously you can, I think the accent's a giveaway, but we are, we are um, so we were born, uh, we're actually born in a place called Lanark, which is where we are now, yeah. but we were raised in a place called Wishaw, which is, um, it's uh, about, I say 20 miles from a place called Glasgow, but we just tell That's everybody fair. we're from Glasgow. That makes sense. Sure. It's the biggest big city there that everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy for to get. Who who's the older brother? Alan. Stevie's the older one. Yeah, How many year difference, one. if you don't mind me asking? There's six. Six? So he's, he's the, we've got, yeah, we've got um we've got a younger a younger sister called Jill. And then another brother called Dave, who he is a um, resident of Australia now. G'day. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> and then Alan was the mistake at the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was he was the, uh, the the unexpected one at the end there. The oops. So there's four of us all together. <laughs> okay. Big big happy yeah big. So we're all a happy family. Four of us. 
I love it. I love it. So, uh, Al, did you, you know, obviously look up to your big brother and and get some music knowledge from him? Not really. Um, <laughs> um, Stevie got a drum kit um, early teens, and um, he's just so bad at them. So I just picked up the sticks and kind of thought, man, I'll, I'll show you what to do. Um, and then it just it just all all from there, man. Okay. Okay. So Stevie was the drums first instrument you learned or attempted yeah, to learn, I guess sounds like. <laughs> what I'll do, Adam, is I'll tell you the, the, the proper story there without any fabrication. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I, I got a drum kit um, and I used to play in a band with my, my, uh, my friends. I um, used to play like Oasis cover. Friends. I had a way playing with, uh, <laughs> playing like Oasis covers and, and stuff like that. And, uh, then I moved on to guitar. I started, you know, learning songwriting and started playing guitar. And um, you know, I had my drum kit up in the appearance loft, and Alan decided to pick up the drumsticks and and try give that a wee bash. Pardon the pun. And uh, yeah, that's he's a drummer now. So, so in in real terms, couldn't play drums, moved on to guitar. Couldn't play guitar, moved on to singing. And he's he's okay at singing. I'll say. <laughs> Okay, okay. How quickly did you guys start playing together? Well, the, the reason why we came together is actually um, a tale of spite, vengeance, and revenge. Um, because what happened was uh, I was I was doing some singer-songwriter stuff, and Alan decided to join or create a first band with uh, his friends from school. So they created a band, and... They were rubbish. I mean, really, really bad. Um, and I said, listen, I said, listen, guys, I'll help you write some songs um, and maybe we can get some gigs and whatever. So I started writing a couple of their tunes and then we wrote a couple, I wrote a couple of their tunes and they, they went in a recording studio and then um, they released a song and it got on, it got on like national radio there was a bit of hype about them. They were getting a bit of heat. So they were all excited and um, they started getting good gigs. And I was I continued to write maybe three or four or five songs um, and working with them. And then they chucked Alan at the band. They sacked him. They kicked me out. They kicked Alan out. Really? Because, yeah, they realized he was so bad. <laughs> uh, they, they kicked him out. So... Wait a second. So you wrote this. You wrote the. You wrote the hit, Stevie. Yeah. And 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 Al, you were the drummer of this band. So you're kind of like managing them and and like producing for them, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, kind of just helping them out, mostly with the songwriting and just giving them some 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 pointers. It didn't even like good songs. It was just bare songs and what they had because they were pretty pretty rubbish, pretty green, uh, and. Um, yeah, they, they kicked Alan at the band and then they continued to uh, play the songs. And I said, you can't, you cannot play the songs that I wrote for you to help you out in a band that doesn't involve my brother. That wasn't part of the deal. Uh huh. And, and they just said, you know, we are going to keep playing these songs. So I decided to form my own band with Alan and play those songs. Um, just despite them, and that's how we first got in the band, and we overtook them, and had a bit more success. 
and we were in that band for a good few years, but that was the reason why we started playing together. Wow, that's so funny. So did you, you guys ended up overtaking them and that band what, just had to kind of give up because they only knew how to play yeah. the, they're probably your only good songs are the ones that you wrote for them. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they kind of fizzled out, they kind of fizzled out and um, yeah, they, they are, they are no more. So yeah, I just, I just didn't like what they did. And, um, you know, I had to back up my brother and I guess that was, that's, that's yeah, that. Wow. And then that, how quickly did you guys start um, St. Phoenix? Was that years later? Yeah, that, that was, that was years later. So we played in a band called Vigo Thieves for about eight years or nine years, um, right at the start. Um, and yeah, that's we. I mean, we got we got some. We played some good big. Well, it started off wanting just there's a, a major festival in in Scotland called Tea in the Park. Mm -hmm. uh, every major, you know, artist all over the world has played it um, at some point in time, and our goal was just to to play it. That was it. Nothing else. We just wanted to play this festival, and uh, it just started taking. You know, it took a couple of years to to, to get going, but you just learn the ropes of. You know, playing in front of no one and um, networking and releasing your own music and and booking your own shows. So we did that, and then luckily we got to play that festival three times. And wow, um, the band started to run its course. Um, and then yeah, we started um, we started Saint Phoenix. Okay, and and what did you just start fresh with Saint Phoenix? Got rid of all those songs and kind of started over. I uh, know it's kind of a, an interesting story um, how the, the, the band came about and how everything worked out. Um, we kind of sounded like the, well, we wanted the old band, we wanted to be like the Killers because like, Brandon Flowers was my idol and we'd seen the okay. Killers, they were amazing. And a, a, a friend of ours said, you should email the manager of the Killers and ask them to manage you. <laughs> that's a bold move yeah so the, so the killers manager is, all, is from from vegas so we had no clue who it was so alan jumps on um google and he types in killers management and he gets this he gets this name robert reynolds and he starts to google and oh you know i don't know how he did it but he found this email address uh for robert reynolds and or reynolds management so he sends a, an email to uh, the killers management and said, Hey, we're a band from Scotland. Uh, here's our songs. We're looking for management, you know, as if every band in, in the world would do just find an email address and just go right. Okay. Boom. Um, <laughs> and we hit, obviously we had, we had nothing back. So a week goes by and then Alan emails again, so Alan emails again and says, excuse me. I sent you an email last week. Um, you know, with this, with this is very rude. I expected a reply and nothing got back. And you know, I find it very amateurish that you haven't replied to my email. <laughs> so I thought, good luck with that. So then he gets an email back um, from a guy called Mac Reynolds, um, and he said, "Guys, I'm really, really sorry. Um, we don't act like this. We get you know thousands of demos sent to us a week." And we just got your email. I tell you what, we'll listen to your music over the weekend. And if we like it, we'll, we'll get back to you. So we thought, okay, fair enough. 
Uh, wow. Keep, That's keep, pretty impressive, though, to to nudge them again. And they're like, OK, fair enough. We'll listen to your songs. <laughs> yeah, we are kind of fiery Scots, nudgy Scots. So, you know, we sometimes don't like to take no for an answer. But um, so uh, this guy, Mac, emailed back and he said, you know what? I like your music. I want you to to jump on a, a Skype call. So we were thinking, right, OK, cool. Whoa. So, um yeah, he, he he gives us a Skype call and we see him and um you you like this he sees his office and he's got like uh he's got a, a he's got a, a platinum plaque behind him, he's got you know the MTV Moonman Awards and all this stuff, and we're like, Well, this guy's the real deal, cool. Uh-huh. So then we find out that Mike Reynolds is the manager of uh, Imagine Dragons. Oh, wow. Uh, so the, the funny story is their brother, Dan, sings in Imagine Dragons. Sure. Dan Reynolds is the singer. You've got Mark Reynolds managing Imagine Dragons and then Robert managing the Killers. So we find this out and we're thinking, this is amazing. And, um, you know, Mark really, he must have just liked our pushiness and our fieriness. And we started, um, you know, just built up a relationship, basically. Um, and they told us, you know, if you guys want to, to make it, um, we're going to have to give you some advice on songwriting and production and what it takes to be in a band to get you to the next level. So, you know, we used to Skype call him every week and our minds were like sponges and he was telling us all this stuff and we went to Vegas to meet him. So it was going to turn out that one of the guys in his management team was going to manage us um but that it didn't really materialize because the guy left and then Mac was too busy with the Imagine Drags and he said, you know, can't commit enough time to, to managing us. And but in that space of time he gave us all this advice. So I spent, you know, a year in the studio spending all the money writing all these songs, taking all the advice off Mac Reynolds and um, you know, Imagine Dragons were a big influence on in early sound and mm-hmm. I'd written all this, I mean, a full album's worth of stuff. Um, and took it to the band, and I said, this is what I want to do, and they were kind of like, it's different sounding, and I'm not too sure it'll work, and, you know, it's a bit of a change of direction, so that kind of deflated me a little bit, because I was thinking, this is the way we have to go, to get on radio, and, and you know, take a jump up, um, but I guess naturally it fizzled out, and I emailed Mac one night, and I said, listen, I've spent my life, my all my money, um, I've even given my my brother a job as a drummer in my band. You know, I'm doing everything I can. To, to, listen, listen, you just told Adam that I'm the reason this band is falling. Yeah, we'll get... Right, right. Let me, <laughs> let, let me finish my story. <laughs> you know that, and I, and I said, what what do we do? What I, I need I need your advice because, you know, I've, I've, I've focused on this for a year and obviously it's not materialised. And he said... You know, this was a this is a couple of years back. We spoke to him. He said, um, "There's a band coming. Out, there's a band out just now, who are going to release a major record next year, and they'll be the biggest band on the planet. And the reason why they're the biggest band on the planet is because they are distinctive. They've got a core fan base that worship them, and they are being, um, you know, they're thinking forward sonically and different." Um, and the key word to use was distinctive. And that band was 21 Pilots before Whoa. they released Bloody Face and, and Heathens and whatnot. So I, I took that on and I said, right, okay, um, I guess 
that's what we need to do. We need to be distinctive. And I said, well, we've we had songs like the early St. Phoenix songs like King and I was going to one- say King is a huge, I mean, 19 plus million streams. And that song came out in 2016, which was way before Blurry Face came out. Yeah, 2016. So that we had that all written. We had that all together. And then um, basically um, it was um, a... We, he said that if you've got, I, I thought in my, my head, sorry, if we've got this kind of sound like King and my brothers, the two of us, that's very distinctive uh, from Scotland. And I thought it's a no-brainer just to start something like that. And, um, you know, that's how the whole thing came came about. Wow. So King was done and written before it really became St. Phoenix. It was the song that you had yeah. and you're working on over the course of those years with Mark. Yeah, I mean, it was it was um, through all that, but also it was King is about being, you know, uh, I guess a lifetime of rejection in the music business, and mm-hmm. all, you know, we actually went down to a like a, a showcase for labels. Um, all the major labels were there in London, and we played King, and the feedback we actually got without even thinking was, you know, there's too many in the band. We like the drummer, we like the singer, but the rest of the band just don't fit. Um and in hindsight, obviously that was that was right. But um, so we had that all all together, and I guess it took, you know, the email from from uh, Mark Reynolds to say, you know, um, this is what you you've got to do, and and that's what we did, and obviously we've we've never looked back since. Yeah. yeah. Adam, when it said in the bottom of the email, the bottom of the email, it said, "P.S. You should thank your brother." No, I never said. Thanks for bugging him. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, you, that's, that's a crazy story. You, well, you guys put out a record out, um, in 2020. Yep. And was that prior to it's DDMN? Was it prior to the the world kind of coming to a halt, obviously in March? When did you put that record out? Well, we put the record out on January 31st, 2020. And then, uh, um, we had a headline uh, tour of Europe, and we there's a first tour, proper tour, and we sold out every venue. So we're yeah. playing like for the and there's a dream come true. You're playing, you know, um, Prague, Warsaw, Munich. Amsterdam, Munich, Paris, London. We're playing all these places, and they're all sold out. And we're thinking we're finally cracked it. We're on the way. Uh-huh. We played the last show in Glasgow sold out and then the whole world shuts down yeah. like the next day <sighs> so yeah it was crazy really, really crazy. you were were you able to do the tour or you just started the tour no but we, we did the tour we, we oh, did that's amazing at least did all these shows but we also had um so south by southwest booked we had another we had a u.s tour booked oh, we, wow. had, we had a summer run of amazing festivals and yeah you know i guess the whole world gets shut down Oh my gosh. So that obviously put a lot of pause to the momentum, I would think. So how do you adapt to that? It was elation to deflation, as they say. Yeah. It's Pretty much. Pretty okay. Much. <laughs> oh man. And well, well, that kind of takes us to, to happy place. I know that you guys um, lost your father. And I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Um, did, was that all happening in the beginning of 2020 as well? Like, cause he got sick and you guys moved to, to where you're currently at with the studio. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, well, we, um, 
in 2017 he was diagnosed he kept he kept having this cough that just wouldn't go away uh-huh. uh, and he got it checked out and he phoned us and and said you know um i've got a a condition called pulmonary fibrosis so we were thinking what's that can it be fixed or can you take medication he says no there's no cure for it it says basically my lungs progressively will get worse and then eventually stop working and there's no cure so yeah we we just didn't know what to think and it was kind of like surreal and and um we just didn't think it would ever come to this because he was fine i mean he could run about walk about jump you know jump up and down go for runs and it was just normal um but i guess um as the years went by he started to struggle more and you started to see the problems kicking in and his his health you know slowly decline and we were lucky to go on tour with a uh, young blood in 2019 oh i love him and i love the video he did for you guys on your instagram i'll talk about uh, that he, in a minute he, yeah he is the best man and so we we went all over uh, america with young blood which was a dream come true it was crazy um, he's he's wild isn't he <laughs> america with him and um in canada in the summer and he said guys i've had a great time i want you to come on tour with us in europe for five weeks so you know we were like we are there and we were lucky enough to bring our dad out on tour with us wow um, so our dad came to initially sell merchandise because he's a he's a salesman yeah. and he, he initially came out to sell merchandise and by two days in he was on stage with Youngblood in Warsaw singing. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of guy he was. Dominant. Wow, what a cool moment. Yeah, he just fell in love with him and um it was amazing. And from there, um you look back and, and look at that experience with him. It was just, I'm so glad yeah. that we, we managed to take him on tour. And I mean, cause we, I mean, he, he actually came to Vegas with us to meet Mark Reynolds. He's, he came everywhere with us, yeah. you know, before, you know, when you're working, um, when you, when you're doing music and it's not paying any money, you have to have a job. We actually had a family business, so we were all working together. So we are very, very close knit. So we went through the whole, the situation with him and then when covid hit you know everything's in lockdown you can't see him mm-hmm. and um, we had no place to record any music because all the studios were shut down and um he took the decision to build this build a house it was his dream and to leave a legacy here i guess mm-hmm. um but when he was gone because he knew that he, he wouldn't have much time left and he said to us you know, I want you to build a studio. Here's a space. You can hear every. You can be here every day. You can be creative, and I love to have you. So we were so blessed and and lucky to to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we sat in 2020 in this very studio, like every day, making songs. Mm-hmm. We used to go in and show him all the songs every day, like every new song, and he would say, "This is the greatest song of all time. You've just written a number one hit." And he was so biased. And um, I come in one day. And I just, I just didn't see anything. I caught me was sitting. And this was when his health started to get really bad, yeah. mm-hmm. and he was just sitting on his couch and he was looking at the hills and he was at peace. And I came back in here and I just picked up the guitar and I and I wrote the chorus for Happy Place. Um, 
and that set is on the way to to um to where we are now wow that's a that's a powerful story oh my gosh i mean to to have that i mean it's so amazing that you know he 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 was such a big supporter of you both i mean how amazing not a lot of people have that no i, I think as well um looking back uh 2020 was very um for a lot of people it was a, was a hard thing and not seeing their family mm-hmm. um, we were lucky enough to see our dad every single day yeah um, he was always busy traveling the world doing <clears> business <throat> we were traveling uh, playing shows um but for that full year we must have had at least 10 years worth of memories last year yeah so when you reflect back on it it was such a great year um even though it was a terrible year for the, the world stop and it was a, a great year just to spend time with them yeah mm-hmm. and to have those memories like you said and, and of course the the memories of bringing them on the road that must have just been the coolest experience for him you know yeah it's uh, we we played um we played a show in milan and we picked him up at Milan Airport, and we drove to the venue. First of all, first of all, he came to do merch. Yeah. We picked him up, and he had made his own merch. Yeah, he, so <laughs> he had like this. We he had like this corporate jacket with the Saint Phoenix logo, and this and this this cap with Saint Phoenix. And then he, when he was doing the merch, people were saying, "Can I have one of those caps?" He said, "No, you can't have them. That's corporate. Like you, they're one of a kind." <laughs> So that's what he used to, you know, used to do. But um, we picked him up from from Milan Airport. We went straight to the venue, and it was the biggest show on the European uh, run. It was three thousand people in Milan. Wow. It was so rowdy, yeah. and we were, you know, we had before the show, we had a good drink. We were we were very well, quite drunk we before we quit. We were rowdy, but w- the show was just electric. And then when uh, Dom. Well, young blood obviously he met my dad before um uh-huh. he went on and when you go in a room with young blood he's the he's the the, the loudest guy in the room the focus is on him oh of when, course i met him before and it's just he just walks in and he just owns the place right <laughs> when we were in a, a room with young blood and my dad was there my dad was young blood all the attention was on my dad yeah. so young blood was just at the he just kept his eyes were so big just looking at my dad talking all the time <laughs> young blood went on and played a show and it was the play i mean it tore the roof off and who's the first person that young blood sees coming off stage it's my dad and my dad grabs him and lifts him up and he says you are a superstar you are you're the next mick jagger you're going to be the biggest star on the planet and young blood's eyes were you know, so wide, and it was just, it just fell in love with my dad, and it was a beautiful thing to see. And I said, you know, a couple of days after that, he asked my dad to, to come on tour, uh, sorry, come on stage with him and and sing one of the songs. And and the song that they sang is called "Waiting on the Weekend." It's a it's an acoustic song. And after my dad passed away, Young Bud renamed the song Bertie's song instead of. Um, uh, went on the weekend, which I thought was a lovely touch. So, oh he's my just, gosh, uh, what a huge uh, thing! Yeah, he's he's awesome, he really what is. What a sweetheart! I love that, and I love the video he he did for you guys on on your Instagram too. The happy places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just the best man. Also, when our when our dad was in the the hospital in January, young blood, not shared, but young blood sent a a message to us um, to send on to our dad, and 
If I showed you now, you you oh, cry, man. He, he he sent a message to my dad when he was in hospital, just saying he was rooting for him, thinking for of him, and you know, Dom, you know, young bud's so busy. We after tour, we used to phone him or or we used to text him, and you know he's too busy, and he would not text back for like a week, and then he would text you back or you would say how we are, and you wouldn't hear from him. And uh-huh. then we come up to the house, and it and my dad would be on the phone, and he would say, "Okay, Dom, love you." And I said, who's that? And he's like, I was just on the phone at Youngblood. He was just giving me a call. And I said, I'm not, we've, we've texted him like a week ago and he's not texted us back. So he had a crazy relationship with my dad. It was funny, but, um, you know, it was just, it was just a, a really, really great experience. What a cool, what a, yeah, what a great experience. What a cool relationship they were able to form as well. Yeah, funny. So funny. I love that. And you were able to play Happy Place for, for your dad as well, right? When it was complete, when he had it complete. Yeah, I was like, so we wrote, we saw the initial thing or the inspiration of it in around about November. Mm-hmm. And one night and I wrote the, the chorus and we couldn't write any verses. Because I think deep down we knew he was dying, mm-hmm. but he was, he, was, he, he was getting worse. And it was just too raw and emotional. And you, you're trying to write that when you're going through it. I mean, I remember writing the demo, the chorus, and then driving home from the studio and just crying, you know, on the way home. And then he got taken into hospital on Christmas night. Um, and we were FaceTiming him mm-hmm. through the week, uh, asking him how he is, and he was getting better, and he was in how's the music going? And we were like, Bertie, there's, there's no music going. I said, we can't stop thinking about it. We can't even function. He's a nana. You have to get this this stuff finished. You have to get all the music finished and done. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to keep going. So he was in hospital for about a month, and uh, after New Year, we just managed to write the song, write the verse, and we recorded it. Um, we fa- finished it, uh, singing the song from the studio that night. I bounced a copy. Got home in the car, got to the house, and then we got the phone call from the hospital to say that he's he's going to pass away. You have to come up and say your goodbyes. So we spent um, we got to spend some some time with him, and um, we got to play it to him a good few times before he passed away. So I think that the um, the story of it is is I don't know I you just couldn't write it. We got to play it to him before he died, and then the next day. I was speaking to my manager about the whole situation and just letting them know. And said so he didn't know we'd written this song for for a dad. And he said, "Can you can you please send me?" It? I said, "I want to to hear it." And we sent him it. And then the next thing we know, we've got a a record deal offer from Atlantic Records. So you know, it's just wow. I, we we can't explain. It, it, we can't explain it. Wow, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. And then yeah. to have the song live on as a, you know, with, with the major label, you know, giving you the nod saying, this is a great, a great song. And we want to sign you that I'm sure was just even like the cherry on top, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it, you know, so I think it's, we're coming to terms with the song as well, because unintentionally the song is very upbeat and happy. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're thinking about a, a tragic moment, but that's the spirit of our dad through you know adversity and hard times you've just got to put a smile on it and get through it and that's testament to him and uh 
you know, I think um, it's, uh, I guess, a silver lining or it's a, a bittersweet moment. Um, or, you know, it's probably, he'll be up there saying, listen, this record deal is all down to me. You just know that he's saying that. <laughs> he's um, like, you're welcome. <laughs> do something big to pull out the bag for you guys. But um, no, that that's the kind of... Um, you know, I said the life works in, in unexpected, crazy ways. And I think this song has definitely helped, uh, helped with the process of grieving and losing someone. And I think we want to use this experience and all the emotion to, to channel into to our own art so that people can reflect and relate. And, um, you know, we want this song to be like a, you know, a hug for everyone that needs it. I mean, I guess that's the best way to describe it. When we first signed with Atlantic, um, Pete Gambarg, the first thing he said was, I'm sorry you had to go through something so tragic to create something so beautiful. Yeah. And that's stuck with me since since knowing that's an, Yeah, that's an incredible quote. Something to say that. So, yeah, it's been incredible. Wow. I mean, this song is brilliant and... um he said it best. I mean, it's unfortunate that he had to go through something so, so awful to, to create such a beautiful piece of art. But, uh, I, I think you guys hit it out of the park and it's, it's an, it's an amazing song. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Yeah. And I appreciate you both being here and, and talking to me about it and, and telling me these stories. It's it, you guys have had quite the ride and I mean, it looks like it's all kind of moving up from here it is it, not that it wasn't, but I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. with everything getting shut down in 2020 and then the passing of your father, but it, you guys came out, you know, ahead, I feel like, especially with that, with this new song. So I think that's the, I mean, we, we went into 2020 with the intention of, you know, um, everything's locked down. So we're going to get ahead of the game. We've got the studio now. We're going to write, write, write. And then, you know, all this stuff happened. And we we ended up with a song that we've wrote that we can only you can only write one time in your life. We'll never write that song again. Sure. It's uh, it's that kind of song, and it certainly feels like that from the feedback. So, you know, we've got a job to do. We've got a mission to to get this song out and and heard around the world. And and you know, we've promised that to to our dad. You know, to our dad. That's what we want to do for him to make it. You know, we we know he is proud. But, um, you know, we won't stop um, working until, you know, this song is, is everywhere. That's that's our goal. I love it. And and thank you both again so much for, for doing this. Uh, I do have one more question for you before I let you go. Um, nope. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. Um, I would say um, the the advice I could say is in the, the middle eight of happy place and it's uh you've got to keep going you you got to stay in the game until your moment comes if you get you know you don't buy you don't win the lottery without buying a ticket and um we've been in the game for a long time working hard and you know you've just got to w be there and work hard and make sure you keep going until your moment comes and when your moment comes you make that moment count yeah. um and I think that's, you know, that's what we've been we've been brought up on. Um, we've never taken off for an answer. We've always believed we can do something after people telling us no. 
Yeah. And if you just keep, if you believe in something and you work hard, you know, it will come true. But it's all about staying in the game.